I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, September 30, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a litany of things to discuss today. We're going to look at a lot of charts. We're going to look at various different time frames, and we're going to look at various different markets. We will throw the ball around the horn. Let's take a look from a bigger picture perspective, what we have on the docket, and then we'll drill down and go from there. We all know at this point about the high from around the 12th of September. We were expecting a high somewhere in and around that weekend. The high came in. The market actually made a higher high, but never closed above that high. So whichever high you want to use, it doesn't matter. We have a high in place. Therefore, what's the expectation going forward? The expectation going forward from a bigger picture perspective is more downside for the market. However, we have to be aware of a couple of things in the very short term. What are the things that jump out, A, off the page, or B, have something relevant in terms of where we are in time? Well, let's start with that one. Where we are in time is the end of a month, end of a quarter, and therefore today is not necessarily a big surprise that we saw some market bounce back after the decline we saw on Friday. Now, we saw a decline on Friday, but the real damage was done intraday. Inside the numbers, members, we're told if we broke below a certain number, put your seatbelt on, and that turned out to be true. And once we broke below that number, we saw a pretty healthy 25-point decline, and we also saw the snapback. Now, the snapback, we can attribute some of that, and this is Monday morning quarterback stuff, doesn't really matter the why We don't really care about the media circus around the why a market went up or why a market went down. But in this particular case, leading into the end of the month, end of the quarter, and we have the first of the month showing up on Tuesday, October 1, we may see some more upside activity. We may see some fund flows into the first day of the month. We may have seen some window dressing, quote-unquote, on the last day of the month. I'm not 100% sure any of that stuff really goes on anymore. I suppose it does. It's more of an old wives' tale for me. Nobody can prove it one way or the other. You're not going to see the trades of the mutual fund or pensions or any money manager thereof. You're not going to see their trades at the end of the month to know if there was any window dressing. It's all, quote-unquote, hearsay. But I do get a lot of questions on window dressing, so I wanted to address the window dressing. Now, what's the other thing that jumps off the page? How about 297? Where did we close the day? 297.06. After hours, trading slightly above that. We're not concerned with that. Anything can happen between the close of the market on one day and the opening to the next day. Anything goes, so we're not going to make a federal case out of a 40 or 30 cent move in the SPY after hours. However, we are going to make a case out of 297.06 as the close. The important number for us has been 297. That's an important area on the chart 
We've talked about it before. It remains important. We will remain focused on that area from a daily chart perspective. There are other numbers above and below that are also important. Other numbers that inside the numbers members are privy to each and every day. But from a daily chart perspective, it's no accident, it's no coincidence that we closed at 297.06. Just to magnify the point a little bit more, we go down to a 15-minute chart and you'll see this is the gap up today. So here's the first candle of the day on this 15-minute chart. 9.45 a.m. is when that candle ended. And we went up a little bit, stalled at 297, not for long, only stalled there for about 45 minutes. And then we tried to break out, couldn't do it. At the end of the day, came back below 297, came into this 100-period moving average on this 15-minute chart, and bounced up at the end of the day. And then you saw the daily close. We'll go back to that chart you can see at 297, you can see the daily close not registered yet. I'm making this video a little bit earlier than the norm. The 415 close will register in a moment. Some of you will wonder, so I might as well address this now rather than the emails later or underneath the video. How can the market be trading at 297.50 or 297.60 up at the top of the screen? You can see the bid and the ask. And I'm talking about a close at 297 or potentially below. And the way that works or the reason that happens is the after hours trading has nothing to do with the orders that are settling out between 4 o'clock and the 4.15 close. Those are different. They're separate and apart from each other. And at this point, we actually have the official close 296.79 at the 4.15 close as opposed to 297 at 4 o'clock. Does it matter? Not necessarily, but we're very close to 297, and I contend there's no accidents, no coincidences. It's an important number from where I sit. Let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about the existing pattern that's on the screen, on the SPY chart from a daily perspective, and then we'll talk about both sides of the market. We'll talk about the upside if, in fact, the market should push higher. What if we do get some fund flows coming into the first day of the month? Why can't they push the market higher? Where are we on the chart? Let's think about it from a logical and common sense perspective. Let's use the S&P E-mini chart and we'll have a little bit of a different conversation. So the E-mini currently showing on the daily chart 29.78 and a half. That is the four o'clock close. But let's go to the 415 close and you'll see 29.85. Here's the point that I'm making. 29.85 is close to 3,000. I'm not suggesting we get right up to 3,000, but what I am suggesting is the closer you get to the big fat round number again of 3,000, the more likely you are to see 3,000 hit again. It's magnetic on the way down, on the way up. The market is attracted to those numbers. There's a couple of other things that we need to put in perspective. We need to look at both sides of the tape. We're going to look at the bull side, and we're going to look at the bear side. First, we'll look at the bull side. What is this? Is this a bull flag pattern? Is this a bullish pullback type of pattern scenario that's forming, setting up on the chart? Is this a bullish pattern holding above the 50-day or 50-period moving average? Yes, it is. couple of things on that. A, 
the more times we continue to make lower lows, the less realistic that bullish pattern becomes. What do I mean by that? So we've made lower lows last week. We made a low, we made a lower low, we made another lower low. Today, all of a sudden, we have what's also called an inside day to Friday's candle. An inside day means that the high and low of today was inside the high and low of Friday. An inside day is basically a non-confirmation day one way or the other. It's a day where the market really didn't give you a lot of information. We talked about the fact that this could be a bullish type of flag pattern. That is true. It could send the market higher. What else do we have? We have a breakdown candle. Right here on the 24th, the high is 3,012 and a quarter. It is a breakdown candle. There's another one from Friday. So the high there is 2,993. So we know between 2,993 and let's just say 3,012, give or take for argument's sake. While at the time, if the market is trading up in that area and if you split the difference, you're right around the big fat round number of 3,000. If the market is right around 3,000, A, it's going to feel bullish. B, the media will tell you it's bullish. C, a lot of stocks will be up. You will feel like you're missing something. FOMO will set in. And all that being said, the 80-20 rule will also kick in under normal garden variety market conditions. And this applies over the next couple of days, let's say. Because if the market were to just trade sideways for the next three or four days, it's going to change the story that I'm going to tell. But if the market were to shoot up really quick over the next day or two, then the 80-20 rule should kick in 80% of the time. You're going to see an assemblance of overhead resistance up there 20% of the time. The market will be able to trade right through or blow right through that area. But the majority of the time, under garden variety, market conditions, the market is not going to just blow right through there. There will be plenty of traders chasing the market up there, and then the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew will show up to pull the rug out. That's generally what will happen 80% of the time under normal garden variety market conditions. How would we know if the market is going higher? How would we know whether that scenario is actually going to be wrong or right? Well, the first way you could know is take that high that we just discussed, which is about 3,012. The actual high is 3,012 and a quarter. If you begin closing hourly above that number, that's the first sign the market may want to go higher. You close daily above that number and the market is likely going higher. So you know where you're wrong and if the market does make its way up there, you can actually have a trade pretty close to risk saying, hey, I'm going to take a trade and this trade would be a statement saying the market's not going to just blow right through this area. It would be a short trade if in fact the S&P 500 or in this case the S&P E-mini futures were to get up to about 3,000, 3,010 in that neighborhood, I would be willing to take a trade on the short side using the 3,012 and a quarter on daily closes as my you're wrong angel on the shoulder helper. You have to know where you're wrong. That's the only way that you can run this as a business. We don't trade on hopium. It doesn't work. We don't chase stuff. 
What we do is we trade our numbers, and if our numbers don't show up, we just wait till the next trade. We know where we're wrong, and if we're wrong, we're able to cut and run relatively quickly. We're able to lick a small wound fast versus a big wound that takes a long time to repair. A couple of other things we need to know about the market over the next few days. A number one. One of the reasons why the market had light volume today, it's the Rosh Hashanah holiday, so therefore, that may extend through tomorrow, light volume. Also, China is actually going to be closed, I believe, all week. Might have been opened Sunday night through Monday, but I think then it's closed for another week, and then it will resume trading. So that may have some impact. It may not have some impact. I thought it was of note, and therefore we're less likely to get a news cycle coming out of China while their market is closed. That's an opinion. I don't know what the news cycle coming out of China will be, obviously. What's the other side? We just talked about part of a bull case, but what's the bear case? Below Friday's low is the bear case. There are numbers before that. We certainly have a very important number long before that. But for the purposes of a daily chart and this video, we have to use Friday's low as the bogey on the downside. You can see they filled the gap. We've been talking about that gap for quite some time, 294. I wasn't necessarily interested in 294 for the sole purpose of they were already down there. Had we been coming down there for the first time, we came down there close on the 24th, the 25th, We hovered, and then we hit the gap and bounced away from it. When that happens, it's less of the trade that I'm looking for. I want the first run down. I don't want sloppy seconds. Why is that? Because the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew are more likely to show up on the second time down and have price blow right through that area, trying to trap traders, picking up the gap for a long trade. That can happen, and it does happen. You just can't say it happens X percent of the time. Nobody can track that. It's impossible. However, having watched the market for as long as I have, I've been to that movie, I've read that book. While this time the gap worked, I've seen it not work enough times to where I'm not interested on the second run. Again, it's a matter of a risk tolerance. Here was where the risk was. When did that actually happen? Let's go to an hourly chart and let's have that discussion because I think it's ultra important. So here, this candle closed at 3.30 in the afternoon. So we made that low Friday afternoon, long after 3 o'clock at 3.30 in the afternoon, well within to the last hour of trading. Anything could have happened. I'm not interested in picking up a trade at the gap, closing out the week, hoping I'm right, waiting over the weekend. That's not for me. At the time, you don't know that they're going to trade away in the northern direction and give you the trade into the end of the day. You don't know that to be the case at the time, not taking a trade at 3.30 in the afternoon on Friday at a gap when the market's been selling for hours. There is a good example of how every trade is different. I get a lot of questions about trades, but they're hypothetical trades sometimes, and I would rather see an actual trade. And I'll tell you, what's the trade or what's the symbol or what are we looking at? Let's take a look at a real trading opportunity because we have to look at all the things that are present on the chart. 
Here, we just talked about 3.30 in the afternoon. That doesn't come up that often. Generally speaking, the market isn't necessarily moving at light speed at 3.30 in the afternoon. 80% of the time, that's not happening. Maybe even more than that. A very small fraction of the time, you're getting a big move down at the end of the day. You can get moves up at the end of the day. That's normal garden variety market behavior. Why is that? Well, there are a number of reasons we could have a light volume environment. And when the computers take over, and they do take over, they end up pushing the market higher a lot of times because when the volume is light and there are no sellers out there, the path of least resistance is not south, but it's to the north side. Despite what a lot of people think and a lot of people post underneath the videos a lot of the time, they want to say that because of the light volume, that means the market's going down. It's actually on the contrary. It's the light volume that tends to draw price up, not down. Now, there are certainly some caveats. If you had light volume and a flood of sell orders came in all of a sudden to the market, you would have a big price spike down all of a sudden, but you can't see that coming. I'm talking about the garden variety stuff, the majority of the time, if you have a heavy volume day and the market is down, you're more prone to see more selling. But if you have a down day and the volume is drawing up and it's lighter and lighter and lighter as the day is going on, you're more prone to see price go higher rather than lower as the volume gets lighter and lighter. And don't take my word for any of that. Just go look at the chart, look at the volume coinciding with price, and make your own decision. Does price go higher or lower when the volume is light? Forget about what I say. Just go do the homework. Go look at a chart. Go look at price. Go look at volume. That's all I'm doing. I'm not giving you any mysterious information coming out of a system that only me and four other people on the planet have access to. That's not what's going on. I have access to the same stuff you have access to. I have nothing proprietary. I don't want anything proprietary. I've seen, quote unquote, and these are the air quotes, I've seen the proprietary stuff before, and obviously minus the stuff Goldman Sachs or other firms might have. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the stuff you can buy for a few hundred bucks. There's nothing in there. There's no proprietary anything for a few hundred bucks. It's hocus pocus software. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. If you want to buy another lagging indicator from Jimmy's Indicator Shop, that's up to you. We use the charts, we use the candlesticks, we use the moving averages as a guideline, but you'll notice we don't really trade off the moving averages. Sometimes on a shorter time frame when we have other stuff, and that's stuff that's in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, but we use them as a guideline. What we do is we use our common sense, we use our logic, we use our two eyes, we use our brain, and inside my head, when we jumble all this stuff around, somehow, about 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, we end up with the right answer about where the market's going. Are we going to get fooled from time to time? Of course we are. That's what the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrates crew job is. Before we leave the SPY chart, we should have the weekly chart in mind and of note. Why is that? Because the weekly chart is still in an uptrend. There's nothing wrong with the technical aspect of this chart. We are above each and every moving average on the chart. There's nothing technically wrong from a weekly chart perspective 
in the SPY. Doesn't mean we can't go down. It means what it means. How about Camp IWM, my favorite market leading indicator? What's going on over there? Well, it was an interesting day. We were up about half the amount on percentage terms, maybe a little less than that, than we were up in the SPY. But look where we are as it relates to the trend line that we've been eyeballing for a long, long time. This trend line didn't show up on the chart the other day. It didn't show up last week. Look where we are as it relates to the IWM in the position of the chart or the position of the IWM on the chart against the SPY or even anything else. So let's go and look at this. We'll go back to the SPY and you can see where we are on the chart relative to the moving averages, relative to where we are as it relates to the highs or the lows. You just want to get the snapshot picture in your mind of where we are on the chart and you can see that we're actually leading on the downside in the IWM if there isn't a quick turnaround and we don't get right back above these moving averages that's the charts way that's the markets way of telling us that there's something brewing there's trouble ahead we could have higher markets tomorrow today the next day it doesn't make any difference but what the individual charts are telling us is there's something brewing out there and if there wasn't the IWM would be higher on the chart we would be above that trend line if and when they give up the 200 period moving average on the IWM on this daily chart that should be and it doesn't have to happen all in one shot but that's a ticket on the ride down to 148 there's a gap down here that's where it's going to go if we close on the daily chart below the 200, obviously below Friday's low. It's a ticket to 148. Not necessarily a one shot, but that's where the ticket goes. Before we move on, I want to take a look at the weekly chart of the IWM because I think it's important that we fell back below that trend line and close the week last week below that trend line. While it's above the 50 period moving average for the week, we closed below the trend line. I think it's important. I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence. If we get back above it, we'll deal with it if it happens. But below it, it has to be a negative. At least it is from where I sit for the IWM. Weekly close below that trend line was a recapture back to the southern side. What's doing down at the transportation department? Well, what we can see is two things on the chart. They're a little bit conflicting to each other. So, We'll have the first one, which is a bear flag pattern, and this will generally play out like this with another move or a continuation move in the southern direction. But the other side of that is we've stopped, meaning we've stopped falling or they've stopped falling at these moving averages, the convergence of the 50 and the 100 period moving average. So you have two things going on the transport chart. What do we do when two things conflict each other on the daily chart, for example? We don't do anything. We just talk about it. We discuss it. We see which one will become prevalent. And once we do, we can identify where the likely target would be in a case like this. For example, if in fact the bear flag pattern ended up playing out, where would the likely ending point for that specific pattern be? doesn't have to be the end of the move, but it's the end of this specific pattern. Well, right here, you would begin looking at this gap and maybe just a little bit lower, somewhere down in this neighborhood. You have a big fat round number of 10,000. And if you found the market down at 10,000, you could see where all of a sudden symmetry comes into play. Here's a high, the low down at 10,000. 
we're in the middle of the range. If we drop down, we would satisfy an equidistant move. And these are things that are taught much more specifically, but taught in detail in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. It's one of the ways we use to identify a target. We use it in conjunction with other ways. And when you have ways that meet each other in the middle, you usually have a trade on your hands. You usually have the right answer on your hands. What do I mean by ways? When you have multiple things pointing to the same number or the same general price zone on a chart, you're going to be right more than 80% of the time. That's a trade. How about the cues? What's this trend line all about? Well, I think this is important. I think somebody else mentioned this underneath one of the videos or maybe in an email last week at one point. Either way, I think the market, and this isn't my trend line, this is the market's trend line. It's not point to point exactly. It is point to point from the low and the first point, but you can see the market is respecting this trend line. Each time we get below, it bounces back up. We couldn't get below, all of a sudden now we did get below, a bounce back up. The market thinks this trend line is important. What happens if we continue to close below this trend line? Well, you'll see something like this. You close below, you close below, you close below, and if you can't get back above, you're going to end up seeing this all of a sudden. Not necessarily in one day or one hour or one candle, but you will see price begin to trade away in the southern direction if you get back below and begin closing below day after day below that trend line. That's why trend lines are important. There's no right or wrong answer for trend lines a lot of the time. A lot of the time, it's more of an art form than a science. How about the financials? Are the financials telling us anything? Well, not just yet. We don't get a lot of information from the XLF being down a nickel or less than two-tenths of 1%. They're hovering around $28. However, they're also hovering around this 20-period moving average. They're riding the 20-period moving average. And you could also say that they're making a bear flag pattern while riding the 20-period moving average. Now, if they trade away in the northern direction, that's fine. It's bullish because it's above all the moving averages. But if they begin to fall below the 20-period moving average, they're going to come into the other moving averages. There's a gap and there's other stuff going on and there's other reasons why other prices come into view. It's very important, meaning the 20-period moving average and also this low here. 27.78 is important. It's the most recent low it is a breakdown candle, and if price cannot get above the high of that breakdown candle, what's the alternative? It's to go down in the other direction and satisfy the bear flag pattern that appears to be developing. Why am I extremely or uber-focused in the financials? Because I haven't forgotten about the repo circus that's going on. The Fed was flooding the market with repo money and nobody appears to be discussing it at great lengths. It appears to have drifted off into the sunset. Well, I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think stuff like that just gets brushed under the rug or swept off the porch. So as a result, when we begin discussing the Fed and flooding the market with money, the financial markets, I want to pay attention to the XLF and other financial-related indices. 
On the flip side, another thing we pay attention to is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, which is the proxy of the SMH. And this was up about 1% today, so it's not bearish. It's not necessarily a definitive picture one way or the other. We can make the same case that we made in the SPY chart. You can say that this is somewhat of a bull flag pattern that will try to break out in the northern direction. However, we can also say that until and unless we get above this breakdown candle or this one here and we stay below the 20-period moving average, then price is going to want to move in the southern direction. We have a gap down here that was not filled, so we have some disparity on different charts. I'm watching all the charts. We have divergences. The market is jittery, and you could get and you likely will get some sharp moves in either direction. You could get a sharp move higher. You can obviously get a sharp move lower like we saw on Friday in any of these indices. We'll talk about gold real quick because we did have a big move in gold. You can see where we are as it relates to the 50-period moving average. Once we got below, in fact, we really opened below. We opened this session to begin the week below the 50-period moving average, and it was just a hard sell from there. The main question, and the only question you really want to know is, where's it going? Well, I can't help but notice two big things. Big thing number one is this big area here where the market just went back and forth, back and forth like this, and what we call chart vibration. Back and forth, back and forth is consolidation, chart vibration. It's usually the market's way of telling us it's building up energy to make another move. Generally speaking, after a particular move in one direction, you'll get a continuation move like we've been discussing. So where are we going now? Well, the market also likes to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas. This is a big area. How do we narrow it down a little bit smaller or narrower than maybe 30, 40, 50 points? Well, we can do that. We have a gap over here. That's a very, very obvious area to a lot of traders out there. So therefore, the obvious can A, either be the obvious, but B, the market can stop short or trade through the obvious. And if it was going to stop short, it would likely stop short right about here where the gap begins and never give you a chance to get to the gap. There are going to be scores, buckets, oodles, parades of traders waiting for the gap. The gap also coincides, right now it does, with the 100-period moving average. You're going to have a lot of hands waiting to pick up gold at the gap. Does it get to the gap? Don't know. Don't care. Not waiting around. It's a long-term breakout. All we have to do for me is get closer. I'll be a purchaser anywhere in that $1,450 area. Could it be $1,460 and $1,435 or $1,440? Anywhere in that general zone from where I sit is a buying opportunity in the yellow metal or gold. And that's about everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight, so I will pull the ripcord here. Before I do that, I must thank everybody and let you know that I do appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I will give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense 
market analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.